Hey guys, it's Max Miller, Zach Zary, and Oakley Rose. Welcome to a well-placed cuss. Welcome back to a well-placed cuss. It's episode 61. Me and Max are on a Zoom call. Max, last episode until you go down to the States. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Been... I'm uh I'm very excited. But one thing that just sucks, I was so disappointed to see was uh I was getting because I think I told you on the pod too that I was uh, going to the Denver Broncos stadium, hey? Yeah. Uh I was booking on our day and it said uh locker room access is restricted and field view may be obstructed by concert setup because there's there's going to be a concert on the stadium. And it's like why would I pay $60 to go see the press box or like, like this makes absolutely no sense. The two biggest things, like if you're a football fan, you want to go see that locker room. Locker rooms are awesome. It's the way the culture is formed. It's a great place to be and the field, obviously, but if I'm not going to be able to see like the actual Denver Broncos logo, cause Taylor Swift is putting up her jumbotron or whatever, that, like that's just this that's incredibly disappointing. I'm not gonna waste sixty dollars doing that. So screw Empower Stadium, but I might I might actually go to an MLB game. And if I do, I'll be sure to take some photos of it and uh, post it on our Instagram story. And it'll be if I if I do go to the game, it'll be against the Padres. So it'll be against Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto. I think Machado's out with injury right now, which is disappointing. No, he's healthy now. He's healthy. Let's go. Now. Let's go. So hopefully yeah. I see those guys because that'd be cool. Uh, I more have to convince my brother more than anyone because he'd, he'd rather go to an NBA game, NFL game, or NHL game other than an MLB game. But I might try to force him to go. But not not too much new with me. Um, actually, well, we're, we're going to be getting into coaching when I get back. That's actually, I guess that's news. If you guys knew... Uh, a few months ago, me and Zach were coaching in the SNBA here, and the uh, season ended a couple couple months ago. But we we're going to be ramping right back up together and coaching coaching some more some more kids about uh, some more basketball. So that'll be really fun. And uh, but yeah, but just packing away and getting ready for my trip is is what's going on with me. Anything new? Anything anything new with you, Mister Mister Zary? I'm I'm super busy right now. It's like. <laughs> It's like this past month, I've been just like relaxing, haven't done much at all. And now it's like today I got to go to uh, school, got to do a workout, got to go work, ref some flag football. Then tomorrow I got to go to a lab, do some school, then go coach football at a high school, then uh, go do a a run and a workout. And then it's like... it's literally like my days are so jam packed, and it's uh, I, I don't I don't love it, but it also keeps me busy, which is good. But uh, Max, when when do you come back? Honestly, I think I come back on the fifteenth or sixteenth, something like that. Okay, so yeah, we start coaching on the seventeenth. You said I'm excited for that. Um, I am super but, excited. But on the topic of basketball, Max, um. Your Heat and the Denver Nuggets are tied one apiece. Kind of where I thought we'd be. Um, maybe in a little different circumstance, though. Um, just your thoughts on uh, games one and two, Max. Well, uh, game one truly kind of came out how I think a lot of people predicted. Um, the Nuggets won. There was they they had a really solid lead like throughout the entire game. Jokic put up another triple double. He guys guys unstoppable. Um, but the Nuggets, they simply outplayed the Heat. But but I will say this the game didn't did not scare me at all because the issue with that the Heat were facing was missing threes, right? Like you look at Max Struess, like Max Struess has an abysmal 0 of 9 from three. You look at uh Duncan Robinson, he was one of five. You got it's just in like Bam Bam shot one. That's weird. That must have been like a half court shot or something. Bam never shoots threes. Um, but it just, it was like shooting. We weren't getting quality shots. Wasn't doing a whole lot, um, on offense. Defense was another story. We were still playing the Miami Heat defense, but playing against Jokic and oh, playing against Jamal Murray is painful. Jamal Murray is such, such a good basketball player. Like just a, an amazing, like 
down like just down to like street ball five on five professional like Jamal Murray I that guy's gonna thrive in any any basketball environment that he goes to he's a good facilitator he's solid he's an okay defender he's whatever good scorer and yeah Jamal he's him he he, he truthfully is him I absolutely love the way that Jamal is playing but now we got to go to game two because game two is where that's where the fun is for me as a Heat fan and I'll tell you, it was a it was a hard fought game from from tip off. There was there was, score was going back and forth constantly. It was ten point lead for the Nuggets, seven point lead for the Heat, tied for three minutes straight. It was awesome, but the Heat finally hit their three point shot. Like the like the three point percentage for the Heat uh, in game two was fifty percent. Nuggets was forty percent. And no, and forty percent is still solid, but like fifty percent is kind of absurd. And like everyone was hitting their shots, and it's just, uh, and it was awesome to see Max Struess was back, was back in his form again, not n- not even hesitating on any of his shots. Ah, uh, it's a good time to be a Heat fan, man. I'm telling you, like, if the Heat just make their shots, like. That is that's what it comes down to. I mean, that's what it comes down to on both ends, right? Like both teams have good defensive game plans, but it's about these big players making these big shots. And this is a role player series. It 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 really is. Like if you look at the Nuggets, it's guys like Bruce Brown, it's guys like KCP, it's guys even like MPJ that are gonna make or break the series for them, right? Because as as good as Jokic is, Jokic scored forty points. And they lost. When Jokic defaults to scoring, the Nuggets don't win. Like the like he had three 40-point games these playoffs, and he they weren't winning. Because that's it's it's exactly like it's it it reminds me a lot of John Morant when he's in Utah or when 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 he's uh in Memphis. Memphis. God, I was thinking, I wanted to say uh, Nashville for so long. No, Memphis. When he's when he was in Memphis. Great scorer, right? Like he can get 40, he can get you 30, 40 points a game if need be. But they that that doesn't translate to the Grizzlies winning. It doesn't. Like, like look at this, look at look at the stats. They're a better team when he doesn't play. And I'm not saying that's the case for Jokic, but I am saying that the Nuggets are so much better when Jokic has 14 assists, when he has those triple double numbers. So Jokic, in my opinion, isn't he'll be finals MVP, but he is not going to be the make or break guy this series neither is jimmy neither is bam neither is jamal murray it's gonna be guys like i said kcp bruce brown max Struess, duncan robinson kevin love gabe vincent caleb martin jeff green all these guys right like just guys that come in and need to do their job well because it, it might be unfair but we expect the bams the jimmies the the murrays the Jokic's to play well every single game we, we just do because it's the finals. You're the star player of that team. You should at least be playing okay. And they have been. But it is up to the guys surrounding those star players to win them this series. That is, uh, I don't know if that's a hot take or a bold take or what, but that's why I've always valued depth way more than star power. If you have good depth on your team, you will at least make it far. i that is what I have to say. And I'd say one more thing. All of this, all of everything that Miami Heat's doing, beating the number one seed in the first round, getting past the Knicks, stomping on the stomping on the Celtics, and now tied at finals, all without Tyler Harrow. All without arguably the best scorer on the Heat. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like, it's so impressive when you think about it and maybe Tyler, it could be one of those guys who's incredibly talented, but doesn't add that much value to the heat. I don't know. I I would have liked to see him come back and gauge that better, but so far the heat are doing just fine without him. And I'm, I'm a Tyler hero fan. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to shit on him or anything, but you can't like, don't mess with the recipe to success. Right? Like, I think that's why Tyler didn't play game two of the series was because he the Heat didn't want to push him because there was no need, right? They don't need that. They don't need what he provides to the team. Uh, sorry, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going on a rant. I had a lot of thoughts on the Heat. Uh, I'm I'm so excited to see how the series shakes down. It was a great game. One was whatever. Game two I thought was great. Even if the Nuggets won, I thought it was a it, it was a great game down to the wire. And 
Yeah, Zach, I, I know you have a couple of thoughts on this game as well. So, 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 give me, give me some of your thoughts. What, what you thought on game two? Well, Max, um, you kind of stole what I was gonna say. Uh, to give people background into the podcast, sometimes we talk what we're gonna say beforehand. Kind of, I won't say it's scripted, but we kind of know what we're gonna say. Me and Max hadn't. We, you didn't know what I was gonna say that exact same thing, but uh, yeah, Jokic scores forty points. The Nuggets don't win when he scores forty plus points. They haven't won this postseason when he does that. But and I and I texted you. Um, it came down to the Nuggets' lackluster defense. I would say not not even lackluster. I think just breakdowns where there was like the Heat would find an open look because guys were running around like chickens with their heads cut off on the Nuggets defense, and the Heat Heat would hit those shots like you said, fifty percent from three. They made almost all the shots that they needed to hit, in a sense. Um, the Nuggets were up big. I think they went on a crazy run to start the first uh, first quarter, first half, or something like that. They were up huge. Yeah, you're right. Um, and it, to me, it felt like the Nuggets were like always winning, but like they shouldn't have, almost, in a sense. It was really weird. It was almost right. like, like, oh, the Nuggets are playing... I I want don't even want to say playing better. It's like I don't even know. I, I'm going down a rabbit hole. It just felt like the game was off. Like the score didn't reflect the game for a large bet. Then all of a sudden the Heat were up, and I was like, man, this just feels weird. Like it doesn't feel like the Heat should be winning this game, but they are making shots when they need to. And then you look back, Jamal Murray only has 18 points, and I think about. Like, a quarter of those points came in, like, a two-minute stretch in the fourth quarter when he was hitting big shots. The Nuggets need four guys to score score the like the basket, and that's Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic, and Jamal Murray. Jokic has 41. Jamal has 18. Aaron Gordon has 12. Michael Porter, 5. And, and um, I want to get into MPJ after. Just like I want to make sure that we note that. But continue, please. Yeah, and 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 I remember watching. Like I I like MPJ. He adds something that the Nuggets kind of need, like that scoring. But he didn't score yesterday. No, he um, didn't. So um, like his one asset, and it was like, man, like that. That's what it came down to. The Nuggets didn't hit their big shots, and I and I texted you. I said Jamal Murray needs to shoot the ball more. Because they need somebody else to score. It was like pass to Jokic. Jokic scores a two-point. Pass to Jokic. Just, they're feeding Jokic the rock. Yep. And then, I don't know. I haven't looked at the Heat numbers. I'll turn them on. Look at the Heat. They have three guys that score 20-plus points. And another two guys added double digits. That's what they need. That that like That's what the Nuggets need in that sense. They need Murray and Jokic and Porter to all be above 20 and Aaron Gordon to be 10. And that that just didn't happen. And uh, that's, even though it was a close, it was only a three-point game. I think that's why the Nuggets lost. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I think they're going to both split these games on the road here. It's going to be 2-2 heading back to Denver. Denver is going to win on home and then win it in game six. That's still my prediction. That's how I saw it playing out, and I'll stand by it. But, yeah, I mean, it's not like Denver played bad, but it was just, like, little things that snowballed up, and the Heat took advantage of their opportunities, and that's why they won. I definitely agree. I did. I I, I definitely agree with you. I still do think the Nuggets are the favorites to win. I do think that they are going to win. But this is a big win for the Heat, and it was it was the same type of win that the Heat got back in 2020 in the bubble against the Lakers. It was like, it's not a clean sweep. It wasn't even a gentleman's sweep. It was a six-game series. And so, like, there's fight in this team, right? And I'm, I'm excited to see what they're, what they're able to do with this fire. And they're going back to the 305. They're going back to the 305 with, with momentum on their side. They're healthy. Maybe Tyler Hero will be back for game three. I don't know. Hopefully Eric Spolster doesn't force him too much. I don't think he will. That's not his style. But I am I'm so excited for this finals. And all right, I gotta I have a question for you. So I'm actually gonna be in Denver 
during game five. So there, cause there mm-hmm. is going to be a game five now. So yeah. I will be in Denver during a game five. And I was looking at how much tickets are and guess So guess how much the cheapest possible ticket is the cheapest possible. 700 us 800. Like oh, I was pretty close. We're pretty close. But like, how absurd is that? Like that was immediately yeah. off the table for me. I was like, yeah. yeah, I was like, yeah, you know, like I might spend a few hundred bucks to go to the game, you know, it's, it's a monumental game. My my team's in it. I like Denver. It's like, so like, let's, uh, we'll see. And I was like, hopefully it's not like 600, 500. That'd be, that's too much for me. Like 800. Nope. See ya. See ya. No shot. I'd rather go to a Rockies game for $10, which is the price <laughs> for a yeah. ticket, by the way, $10. Yeah. Oh, and actually the, I think the the Pistons had like a, had like, Seats that were going on for two dollars at one point last season. So, I I wish I wish we could have one of those stadiums, but that's it's it's unfortunate. But I get it, right? It's the crowd. It's always sold out. The crowd is going to sell out, and they make money that way. So you can't hate it. You kind of just have to hate the situation and inflation or whatever. I don't know. But speaking of the Pistons, Pistons got a brand new head coach, Mister Monty Williams from the Suns. Round of applause for the Pistons. They took Dwayne Casey from the Raptors. Don't know why they let Dwayne Casey go. Amazing coach. I know they got Nick Nurse. He won a championship, whatever. But Dwayne Casey was still a fantastic coach during that time. Now he gets a front office position. And they get Monty Williams, arguably the best coach in the NBA, to go and help that young core out. Super big fan of it. Love what, love, love what they're trying to do. They gave him a bag. That guy's making over $10 million a year. So he's making he is making money, but I'm glad I really like Monty Williams. Uh, I think he's a fantastic coach, and I think he'll fit great in in Detroit. And then I go ahead. I th- I think the Suns are still paying that man too. Probably. So like I think his con- wasn't his contract like seventy two million. Like it was some yeah it was something like that. Guys getting paid a lot of money. You have to respect it. Respect the grind. Respect that man. And just a fantastic coach, right? Like, just I absolutely love what he did. Former coach of the year. Absolutely love Monty Williams. And then, to but the Suns to replace Monty Williams, they got former Los Angeles Lakers head coach, champion, Frank Vogel. Don't like this. Don't like this one bit. I hate it. They were... There was a lot of disdain in L.A. for the culture that Frank Vogel had created there, right? And that's why I think Darvin Ham was a big was 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 quite good for them because though he might have not had the best schemes, the best coach, whatever, he was a player's coach. They created a good culture there. They don't need a Greg Popovich when you have LeBron James. You just don't. You simply just don't. Um, I thought he needed to do what he did, and Frank Vogel was the clear choice to get rid of. He was not working out there, and I don't see him working out to the Suns. The Suns are one of the most drama filled teams right now. They got booted out in the second round with arguably the best team on paper. It's hard, not hardly even arguable. It's like there was a crazy team. They have an aging CP3. They have an aging KD. And they have DeAndre Ayton, who doesn't even want to be there. I like, I don't know yeah, where this Devin team Booker. is going. And Devin, like, Devin Booker, like, he is the bright spot to that team because he will probably be sticking around. Like, he'll probably be there for the rest of his career, if I'm being honest. Or else he might pull up Tony Parker and go somewhere else for a year or two. But... I don't like the way that that I don't like the personalities on that team. CP3 is CP3 and KD. I don't think they they mesh well. DeAndre Ayton is nowhere near the player he was in the 2020 Suns run. I don't know, man. I don't love it. I don't think Frank was the right pick to go there. I think Mike Budenholzer would have been a lot better to go there. Nick Nurse would have been a lot better to go to Phoenix. But Frank Vogel, not a fan of that move. Not at all. Yeah, I I don't have too much to say. I I hardly know NBA coaches. I like I know the names, but I don't know their personalities, coaching styles, and whatnot. I as well thought Budenholzer could have went there and been a been a better choice, but I still hope the Raptors get him. And but apparently the Raptors are looking overseas at these three guys. I have no idea who these guys are. I'm just gonna hope everything works out. That's that's always one thing I love about like just just because I'm just making sure everyone's aware of how much I love being a Heat fan. 
That's a big part to do with Eric Spolstra. Huge. We've never had to worry about a coach before. Never had to worry about that. Guess what? Eric Spolstra is going to be a Miami Heat, or I don't even know what to really call that, but he's going to be part of the Heat for the rest of his career. He's not going anywhere. I don't care what anyone says. Eric Spolstra is going to retire a Heat. A, because he's never going to get fired, and Heat, and B, the Heat will always compete, so there will always be a reason to stick around in Miami. Guy's not leaving. Sorry, Zach. Don't want to rub it in your face, but we've got a Greg Popovich on our hands. Not, not saying skill, saying longevity. Staying with the same team. Love Eric Spolstra. Is Popovich still coaching? I don't even know. I actually don't even know. Like, I really don't. Like I know the the Spurs got the first overall pick. Like, but they were so irrelevant and just so bad. Oh, they were so bad. They were so. No, awful. it looks like he's still the the head coach and president of the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just 70, weird, man. 74 years old and still kicking a totally. That's crazy. That's crazy, actually. In my but, opinion, uh, the best coach in NBA history. That's you go from real. one coach in sports to other coaches in sports. Um, got got some breaking news. Well, I guess not really breaking news. But I, I don't even think it's confirmed that it's happened yet. Too. They're awaiting some uh, contract stuff, um, but uh, Mike Mike Babcock, Saskatoon guy, Saskatchewan Huskies guy. He was coaching yeah. the the Huskies team. Yeah, not too long ago. Um, seems to be heading to the Blue Jackets. I don't think it's confirmed yet until after a period of time. I could look into that a little bit more here. Uh, uh, yeah, when his contract with Maple Leafs officially expires, he can sign there. This is so interesting on a on a multitude of levels. I mean, we don't have to go into it, Mike Babcock. Um, what he did in Toronto and and even before Toronto too, with Anaheim and Detroit, all that kind of rumblings and stories that have come out. I mean, most notably in Toronto especially with the Mitch Marner incident and all that. I mean, I don't want to... What was the Mitch Marner incident? So, young, you can search it up. I'll give you the brief kind of thing. Young Mitch Marner, he kind of brings him into his locker, uh, coach's office. It's like, Mitch, rank the whole team on, like, the effort. And I don't even know what, like, again, you can look into it. Listeners mm-hmm. can look into it, too. He gives their effort or whatnot, and uh, then Mike Babcock shows it to the entire team. And, like, this is, like, an 18, 19-year-old Mitch Marner with, like, 30-year-old grown men. Like, just absolute toxic environment. Like That, that be, oh. is such a dick move. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, no, not great. Oof. Um so yeah, that that that's what happened. Um, and now he goes to a young Columbus team, who has the third overall pick. And but if you're hiring Mike Babcock, it's basically saying you're going to be competing because Mike Babcock isn't a developmental coach, right? He wants to win. He's trying to win. Johnny Goudreau is probably shitting his pants right now. He he's like, I did not sign with Columbus to deal with this. That, that third overall pick could be moved to get Columbus just back and competing right away. But it's like the ripple effect. If they don't hire Mike Babcock, they probably sit sit at number three and get a Leo uh a Carlson and Leo Carlson from Sweden with that third overall pick or who like I don't know. I don't think a lot of people are fans of this. I'm not particularly a fan of this. But, hey, he did coach at the University of Saskatchewan one year. Made the Huskies, like, miss the playoffs for the first time in forever. Or, like, get eliminated in the first round for the first time in forever. But there was no bad incidents that we know of. So, I guess that's a positive. That's that. That's one positive there. Yeah. Um. 
But there was Tyler also uh, there was also Greg Conan, the new coach of the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, uh, he's a sixty-year-old guy, and he has no NHL experience. Oh, okay, good, so... good, <laughs> good to see the Ducks are still making moves. Uh, yeah. He's... Oh, oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Spent combined twelve seasons as an NHL assistant. Um, okay, but an AHL guy. So I lied. He does have any not head coaching experience, but sure. But he's still an old guy. Yeah, I feel like you hired like a young dude to help that young team. But I would, I would think so, especially with the number two overall pick. Ah, uh, yeah, that's speaking, my opinion. Speaking of another young dude, Kyle Dubis is now what? What? What is his title now? I don't even know what his exact president title. of hockey operations. Yeah, president of hockey operations. Yeah, he's now in. Uh, he's now in Pittsburgh dealing with the Penguins, having Crosby and Malkin. So. I don't know a whole lot about this man. I saw a couple of viral videos of him when the Leafs finally beat the Lightning. But is he liked? Is he is he good at his job? Like is like what's the general consensus about this man? It depends who you ask. I mean, I'm not a Leafs fan at all. But like this guy makes moves. Like and he's like a young analytical dude, hockey guy. Um he's 37 years old. I mean he's a pretty young guy. And but he makes moves. He makes a lot of moves. Trying to get Toronto and he's back. I mean, I don't even know. Toronto was never there, I guess. Trying to get Toronto fucking elevated is all I can say. Um yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure if people like him, dislike him. I feel like he's overall pretty good at his job. I mean, you look at all the moves he made. I mean, revisionist history. I mean, you could probably do that and see if he made good moves. But like, I feel like from just my like, he signed a lot of big contracts. I mean, obviously John Tavares, all these stuff. And just a confusing time. I mean, Toronto just didn't win in the when it mattered, it seemed like. And uh he basically was like, Oh, I'm not gonna go anywhere after Toronto and then went straight to Pittsburgh. So I don't think Toronto Maple Leafs fans were happy about that. And uh then I just wanna Cal- say though, imagine putting together that Maple Leafs team. You have you have Matthews, you have Marner. You have Nylander, you have Tavares, like you have you have O'Reilly now, and you lose in the second round. I would want to get the hell out of Toronto myself. I don't blame that man one bit. Well, and it's just a toxic work environment. I mean, then Toronto fires or not fires hires former Flames guy Brad Trev. I can never pronounce his name. He's the son of the guy that owns Boston Pizza. Uh, Brad Trevling. Trevling. I don't know. Um, Yeah, we'll see how that works out for Toronto. I mean, down the stretch there, he's Mr. Mr. Brad was making some questionable deals with the Flames. I mean, it, it seemed like he was winning the deals and then just didn't pan out for him. So we'll see how he goes in Toronto and uh, how the fan base reacts to that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But we'll, we'll stick on hockey. You know, we had one. We only had – so far it's one, at the time of this recording, we only have one Stanley Cup final game in the books. But the Vegas took that pretty convincingly over the, uh, over the Florida Panthers a couple days ago. And I actually didn't watch the game. I watched the highlights afterwards, but I didn't watch the game. Did you? Did, did you watch the game? No, I was working that day as well, but uh, it looks like Vegas just kind of put the the boots on them, and uh, I mean, it was a close game, and then Vegas kind of pulled out at the end, and I mean, Bobrovsky's going to be on, have to be on his A game like he has been this postseason if Florida wants to win. Tachuk was getting in the faces of all of them, trying to get underneath the skin, which they need to do, but I mean, you look at Vegas, and the, their defense, their defense is humongous. They're all veteran savvy guys. Their offense is like, yes, they have stars and like Stone and Eichel and these guys. Um, 
but it's like it's a collective group effort. And then you look at Florida. I mean, Florida's built very similar, and I think we'll see a good series. I think it'll come down to the wire. I I still will stick with Game Seven, Vegas. Vegas has home ice, and I mean, Florida Florida could rally or rally here on Aiden Hill. I mean, Aiden Hill may not be with Vegas next year with because Vegas obviously with their injuries to their two starters. Very impressive what Aiden Hill's done, but uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I really like this matchup. I'll pay more attention as uh, the series moves on here. Game yeah. two's tonight, so that game two is pretty big because if Vegas takes a two zero lead, like, yeah, who who knows how that turns out? Yeah, no, it's 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 fairly significant. Um, but. I'm I'm a big fan of Zach Whitecloud on the on the um, Golden Knights. I'm a fan of Chandler Stevenson, obviously because he went to Hardy. I like Mark Stone, but I I still like the Panthers a bit more, and I still think that they're gonna win. I think it's hard to shut out to Chuck right now, and I think Bobrovsky has been the best goalie in the playoffs. I think he'll continue that streak. I think the Panthers just need a bit uh, need a bit of extra help guys like Anthony Duclair, Reinhardt, uh Bobrovsky, guys who come in other, other than to Chuck and you know make 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 these moves, make have take these goals and I think they they just kind of need to step up but that Vegas team is so good. It's so good. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting cuz Vegas was obviously the like top team in the West and Florida was the bottom seed, but they match up so evenly. It was just how, how playoffs roll. Same thing in the, the NBA finals. I think it's super cool. We got to see those two things. I know if, if you're up in one South Florida team, you have to rep the other. So I guess I am a fan of the Panthers. So, and I like, I like the lower fan bases thing, right? I mean, I don't know if that really is the Panthers anymore. They've been good for a while now. So they have had more attention drawn towards them, but They've always had, they've always had kind of a lower fan base, uh. So you, I, I always like to root for those teams. That's why I'm a National Predators fan. <laughs> Except their fan, their fans are quite good, but like back they are. in like when I was like five years old, like I mean, you couldn't even walk into a Predators fan. No, no, you could go to Tennessee, you wouldn't be able to find one. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all that we have for NHL. Do you have anything else you want to add, Mister Zeri? No, I mean, it'll be a good series, uh, game two tonight, like I said, but uh, now I think it's time for a little bit of MMA talk, Max. Yes, sir. All right, I don't I don't have a whole lot to say, but all I know is UFC 289, it's an exciting time for Canada. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, Amanda Nunes is coming back to Canada. Yeah, she fought in Edmonton against uh, Shevchenko a little while ago, but first time can- uh, UFC's been back in Canada in three years. I kind of screwed the pooch with the, the interviews. I messed it up. Um, Yeah, I should have emailed a lot sooner, and then I messed up a time, so uh, sorry to Max and Oakley and all of our inter- uh, listeners because I messed up an interview. But uh, it's the easy, just... it's the easiest thing in the world to do to mess up an interview. It is not hard, I promise you. So uh, that was unfortunate, but uh, like I said, Amanda Nunez versus is oh my god, I'm forget Irene Aldana. I almost forgot her name. Um, that'll be a good fight. Lots of people picking Aldana to win. Uh, which I think is uh, quite surprising. Um, well, obviously, Amanda Nunes is the GOAT, but lots of people on Aldana, the younger fighter. Mexico's had a a, a recent run of uh, champions here with the Grosso, Yair Rodriguez, and Brandon Moreno. Um, yeah, it's exciting times. Charles Oliveira versus Benil Darius is obviously the the people's main event, in my opinion. That's the fight everybody wants to see as a co-main. Probably the number one contender fight for the lightweight title. Um, that'll be a good good fight. Like grapplers delight. Obviously, those guys can both bang as well. Yeah, it'll be such a fun fight. Third fight on the main card is our boy Mike Malott. Coming up against Adam Fugit. I mean, Canadian homecoming. Dana White is saying this guy's can the hottest thing coming out of Canada right now. He's the last Canadian fighting, so 
obviously Dana's pushing him. He's 31, so he's kind of he's kind of old, but like he doesn't have that many fights under his belt, so he's kind of young in that sense. Um, but Adam Fugit has been making a living off of taking guys' hype and giving guys a dog fight. So uh, I think it'll be a very good fight. I mean, could be fight of the night, honestly. Um, and yeah, I mean, Mike Malott, I mean, he's going to bang. All of his wins are come by first round finish. So super exciting. And I hope he uh, does that, does it again, honestly. Then we got uh, Nate the Train Landwehr against Dan Ige. That's going to be a banger. Could also be fight of the night. That's going to have the people out of their seats. Bringing the party to Vancouver. Opening the card is another Canadian guy, Mark Andre the Power Bar Burial, against uh, Eric Anders. Uh, Mark Andre is, is, is a pretty big favorite. Should get the win. Same as Mike. Should get the win. Other Canadians, Avon's a hobby, he's fighting. I, I think he can pull it off. Um, Jasmine Jazdavicius is going up a lot, not in weight class, but in uh, stiffness of competition with Miranda Maverick. Um, so that'll be a fun fight, obviously. Uh, De- Deanna Balbita will have a fun fight against... Uh, I think it's Marie Oliveira. I should be looking at my phone right now, seeing who they're fighting. Blake Balder going against Kitty and Cal Nelson, who's training with Mike Mullot and all the Niagara top team people. Um, I feel like there's one more Canadian, but uh, lots of fun fights. Um, big for Canadian. Yeah, uh, Canadian MMA, I guess, per se, as a lot of these people get a sh- showcase, maybe get, Kid goes there. Oh, I want to fight. Um, hope hopefully developed it. Uh, Chris Curtis versus Nasruddin Imamov is a banger of a fight. David Dvorak against Stefan Ursig. Only only uh how many fights do we have here? Eleven fights. So that not that many fights. It'll be a fun night. Uh, this Saturday. Go check out Aaron Bronster's co- coverage. James Lynch's coverage. Um, Ariel Hawani will probably be doing a whole bunch. Check out the Canadian coverage of USC 289. Be super fun. Who knows when we'll get another Canadian USC event back um, with how much the USC is taking its time opening back up to the world. But uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah, it will be. Even for a non-UFC guy like me, it's just... The, the environment, the culture, you know, it's, it's, it's entertaining to say the least, right? It's like, it's like my dad could watch UFC fight and be entertained. And when it's in Canada with a lot of Canadian athletes, that just makes it all the better. I mean, we're a sucker f- for being such a patriot when it comes to Canadian athletics. So it's true. It's true. Yeah. So, um, uh, anything else, anything else in the MMA world, Zary, that you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, Ty Car France got robbed. That's all I got to say. If you know, you know. Um, okay. <laughs> um, that was awful. Um, and that, yeah, no, that's, that's about it. I mean, USC 289. Wish we had an interview previewing this fight again. I am so sorry. Maybe, hey, who knows? Maybe we get somebody coming on after the fact and uh, reviewing it. Uh, you could say, or uh, well, you'll never know, but yeah. uh, yeah, a good time for Canadian MMA fans, absolutely. All right, well, if that is all from the MMA world, we have uh, only one one topic left, and it's star, it's the smallest one that we have, and that's just in the NFL. And just wanted to go over it's really just talking, it's basically just Bills talk at this point because we're just going over a couple of moves that the Bills did. And uh, one big one is they they signed Leonard Floyd, former former I believe it was a Chicago Bear and a Los Angeles Ram, to a one year contract in Buffalo. And I think I mean you can't that's just, that's just a good signing, right? Like there's nothing, there's no ifs ands or buts about it. He was a he was a beast with uh, with with L A there. He I think he had three straight nine over nine sack seasons when he was with the Rams there, partnering alongside Aaron Donald. So 
it's 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 pretty it's you know it just adds to that already beefy Buffalo defensive line, right? He's a stud. Well, he's I guess he's more of an outside linebacker, but he's a stud. He's not too much else to say on that. Good on Buffalo to sign him. Any thoughts on Leonard Floyd, Zach? I've wanted the Chargers to sign Leonard Floyd for like the past three times he's been a free agent, and um, he's good. I mean, State Brandon Staley loves him. He had his best seasons under Brandon Staley. I believe is a Super Bowl champion with the Rams. Um, yes, he is. Adds that winning pedigree to Buffalo, and then obviously adds in the rotation with older guys like Vaughn Miller and himself now coming off the edge. Um, and obviously he's going to take team with one of their other signings, Ed Oliver, a former top 10 pick uh, with Buffalo. Good guy in the middle right there. Um, has pass rushing upside. Can clog the run if need be in the interior. Um, yeah, it'll be very interesting. Yeah, I'm 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 a really big fan of, of Ed Oliver actually because he adds to that Buffalo D line, but he adds more of a he's that he's that run stopper, right? It's 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 like what you said. He's not very he's not he won't get you ten sacks a season, but he'll get you. A, four and a half with 10 tackles for loss and be, be a dominant pass rusher, right. Or a, a run blocker or run stopper. I mean, thank you. Um, but there's not a whole lot else to say. Good signings, good on Buffalo to rebolster their defensive line. That'll be one of their, one of their anchors for them this season. But Oh, I guess we can. We didn't really mention the CBL. We can go into that just a little bit. The, the Rattlers are starting off their year strong. They're two and one. And former NBA guy Justin Justin Foreman Wright recently just had the franchise record for most points in a game with thirty six, playing thirty six minutes. So good on him. I'm excited to see what the Rattlers can do this season. They seem like they're one of the better teams. So, so we'll see. But not too much else to talk about from my end anything from you zach i mean no i mean deandre hopkins got released you said we covered it i don't remember talking it if we did then you can hear me talking about it again thought buffalo could have been interested in signing but i don't know if they'll have the cap space now signing at oliver and leonard floyd but yeah, uh it'll be interesting to see where he goes cbl your Scarborough shooting stars pick Maxim is not looking too good, and my Vancouver Bandits pick not looking too good either. So no, it really isn't. No, I really I thought the I thought the shooting stars would be a lot better, especially with Jalen Harris and Cat Barber. Cat Barber's been playing good, but Jalen Harris, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Be interesting. Uh, Long season, good on them for getting on TSN, but Max. Uh, mm-hmm. You had a nice little interview this morning. Um, I was out with sickness. Um, I was day to day. Honestly, that sickness is kind of coming back right now as I speak. The longer I speak, um, you want to break it down with us? The CFL opening week is this week. We didn't even touch about it, touch up on it. But uh, Max, you had a, a returning guest that has only talked to you on this <laughs> program. <laughs> Yes, so we had Luke Mullender back on. Um, Luke's uh, Luke's always a great guy. Uh, he's our first returning guest. We I don't think we've had another one, but we just we had we asked him to give some of his thoughts about the Riders this season. Some some players he some players he likes around the league. Big Kadeem Carey, that fan that guy is. Sean Thomas Erlington as well. Um, but there's a lot more. We go more in depth about the Riders specifically. His thoughts on training camp, preseason so far. Um, and yeah, we'll see, see what the writers do, but I had a great time doing the interview. It was, it was super fun. Always a great conversationalist to talk to. I mean, he kind of has to be, that's his job. He's the color commentator. So if he wasn't, he probably wouldn't be, be alongside Michael Ball for like three, four years running now, but he's such I just I can't say enough good things about him because actually I met him as well during uh, training camp and we talked we talked a few times and just you know great energy that guy always always good to have him on so big fan of his and it's good to hear he's a fan of ours but yeah please please enjoy myself and and Luke Mullinder discussing the Riders upcoming season anything else but 
Thank you so much for listening to episode 61 of Well Plays Cuss. Zach, is there anything you'd like to add? I don't know when we'll be back. Max is uh, in the States. Uh, We're going to try to record when I'm in Denver, when I'm in my hotel. I'll have Wi-Fi and all that. So we'll see about yeah. that. Poor, maybe me and Oakley can get an interview. Poor Oakley is just working like seven to six. So that, that is just a that's just a brutal work day on his half. So it is. And then we expect him to hop on an hour and a half <laughs> podcast. That's yeah. No, but um <laughs> but thank you so much for listening to episode sixty one. Yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you when we see you. That's like every episode, right? We're busy, yeah. busy people, but Thank you for listening to this episode, and we will see you uh, next week. All right, everyone. Welcome back to a well-placed cuss. So we have a returning guest on the show, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider and current color commentator alongside Michael Ball for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Luke Molander. Luke, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for hopping on again. Uh, How are you doing? I'm great, man, and uh, I always appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. I uh, hope everybody's well on the uh, on the podcast. Excited about the CFL this season. Absolutely, I don't get a I don't get a lot of opportunity to meet the to meet some of the guys that we've interviewed in person, right? But uh, at this training camp, I was lucky enough to to meet you as well as well as our good good friend Charbel De Beers. So uh, yeah. always good always good to meet our uh, our guests face to face. But uh, awesome. we'll jump right into it. And um, as I mentioned, training camp had just uh, had just finished, and so just through training camp and so far what we've seen with preseason, what do you think? What do you think are some of the biggest strengths for the Riders coming out of the gate this season? Well, that's a really great question. I think that the riders' main strength is going to be their secondary. Um, There's, you know, I think there's some depth there. Uh, They've got uh, Jackson Ford, Nelson Lacombo, who are two great Canadian players that uh, that I think will get uh, get more opportunities as the year goes on. Um, I really like Roland Milligan, Nick Marshall, Amari Henderson, and uh, Jeremy Clark. Um, as the other DBs, um, and obviously Canadian Dalkey, uh, Canadian Jaden Dalkey, um, leading them at safety, I think that they're they got a chance to be one of the better uh, secondaries in the league. And I think there's some young guys back there um, to add some great depth too. Uh, for instance, the rookie Deontay Williams, who accepted a practice roster position, I think that he's going to have uh, he's going to have his hands full learning. But I think that uh, when he does get pressed into action, I think he'll be fine. Um, so I think that, uh, I think they're secondary for sure. Um, I think that, uh, the running back room is also going to be one of their strengths, Jamal Morrow and Frankie Hickson. Um, I'm not sure about how the D line is going to play out. Um, but I do think the offensive line is going to be improved, um, drastically now that they've signed Colin Kelly. Uh, I, I think that that was, uh, you know, they sort of announced the Colin Kelly signing when they announced their cuts. Um, so. So it kind of went under the radar, but uh, signing Colin Kelly um, is an, an incredible um, coup for, for Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson. Uh, and I think that it's going to pay off in spades. So, so I think their offensive line is going to be improved, but, um, and their quarterbacking. I think their quarterbacking is going to be better. And it seems like the second year and, 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 and the new quarterback, Shea Patterson, I think those quarterbacks are really gravitating towards Trevor Harris. I've, uh, I've, I've, I've seen how he interacts with his quarterbacks, especially after the game. I was really impressed, uh, you know, and I think that uh, I think that he's going to change a lot of minds when it comes to, uh, to to the narrative around his leadership ability, because 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 in a very short time, he's changed my mind a little bit about um, about narrative. So uh, I'm excited to see, though, yeah, that room. And uh, I think that we're going to see all the quarterbacks this year in some in some way, shape or form. And uh, I think that they're in a good spot. Absolutely. And I know you, 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 just mentioned a bunch of guys there as well, but like, has, was there anyone that really surprised you this training camp? Like, like for, for example, for me, uh, Jake Herslow, I remember seeing him in practice and I was like, he was catching everything. I was like, 77, who is that? And I yeah. constantly be checking the name card and it'd be Jake Herslow. And I was like, damn, damn. He's like, this guy needs a roster spot. Was there anyone like that this year that you kind of had that same attitude towards? Yeah, you know, I, I thought Shea Patterson had a great camp. Um, yeah. uh, uh, the uh, 
the the quarterback that came over with Trevor Trevor Harris. I think that um, they already trust him. I mean, the second exhibition game, he had his own package there on the third down. Uh, so I I really enjoyed watching him play, and he can throw it too. He's not just a third third down quarterback. Like if he needs to be pressed into action, he's going to be able to get it done. So I think Shea is one of them. Um, let's see. Uh, as far as as far as the rest, I thought Amari Henderson had a great camp. Um, I think that he's on an, on the uh, on the verge of a breakout season this year. Um, I was really impressed with uh, sort of Jake Jaden Dalkey's continued uh, spot there. Darrell Walker. And I think that um, the reason I was more impressed, you know, everybody knows how much of a, a baller he is. It's just, you know, he came in and I mean, he was the only vet that wasn't taking days off. I mean, he was he was in there getting it done every single rep. Uh, and he was one of the standout wideouts. And, and at first, you know, you didn't know whether that was a good thing or a bad thing because you knew that wide receiver position group needed some depth behind it. But it was great to see a guy like Darrell Walker come in and establish essentially just sort of the blueprint on how those receivers in Sorry, Luke, I don't know if you can hear me, but we might have froze there. Oh, we're good oh, now. Go. Oh, good now. Perfect. Sorry, but we've had some te technical difficulties in the past, so it's something that we're not... not, no, not we're all right. Did you get the rest of what I was saying? Yeah, yeah, we got that. Perfect. Um, and so I, I, know, I know you mentioned it. I was super excited for Darrell Walker, and honestly, meeting him at training camp was another thing as well, because he was, like, one of the nicest... One of the nicest guys I've, I've I've ever met at a training camp. He was an absolute absolute stud. But uh, who is a who is a newer member you were really excited to see produce for the green and white? Like a new signing this off season. Oh, we paused again. Yeah, you know one of the things about uh, Darrell Walker um, that uh, I think it struck a lot of people how good how good of a teammate he is. I, I remember talking to especially the, you know I mean the, nobody works harder than the equipment guys during training camp, right? Like Gordon Gordon Gilroy's team and and Gordy was saying that you know he didn't necessarily know what to expect when when Darrell walked into it, but he said that Darrell Walker has been the uh, an amazing professional to deal with. Um, he he's really low maintenance, but more importantly, uh, like what you what you said, I think that uh, he empowers those around him. So uh, again, a, a great feature to the locker room, right? That uh, you knew you what you got in between the white lines, but uh, bonus bonus uh, obviously because you're getting a great guy in the locker room. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I mean, like I think one of the most important things about any any team is the culture that's surrounding it in 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 the locker room, right? And having guys. Even guys like Trevor Harris, guys like Darrell Walker, those those vets who, who still have that energy and still able to play, I think I think it's just awesome to put them in with those young guys, and you have that you have that great mesh of a uh, veteran and and new guys. So I think that's yeah. I think that's awesome. But I'm I've this is I guess I don't know exactly how to phrase this, but like uh, who are you really excited to see make their mark this season? Like like for example, like I love Jamal Morrow. Like I. Mm. I've been on the Jamal Morrill train since he was just a special teams guy for us. And, uh, but mm. after last season, we could see the, the, the MO, the MOP caliber in him. We saw the, the dual yes. threat with his running and receiving. Uh, he was, he was, he was fantastic, but unfortunately he got hurt, but he still finished the year quite well, even though he got, he, he got hurt, but I'm really excited to see him with an improved O line with a healthy full season ahead of him. You know, MLB, MLB caliber guys or anyone like that. Are you just really excited to to see what what they can do? Well, um, I think that you know, I, I think it, I think that Roland Milligan um, has a real chance to to do some some spe some special things this year. I think that uh, I think that Nick Marshall is going to have a good year. Amari Henderson, we've already talked about the, the guy. I'm really excited about, and 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 he's not going to get a lot of press because the, I'm excited to see some of the things that that don't that go unnoticed. I think Logan Furlan's going to have a great year. Like yeah. Logan Furlan might mess around and be an All Star this year. Um, he looks really good. He looks like uh, you know. Um, uh, He's had sort of, you know, some great mentors along the way. And and I think that, you know, you're starting to see him now just sort of, you know, very slowly start 
you know, playing above the, the, the level where the mentors were. And, uh, and I think it's going to be good for him, but I also think it's going to be good for his ability to lead and be looked at as a leader this year to start stepping out of that shell. So I, I think that he's in for a huge um, year. And, and I, I would agree with you. I'm really excited about Morrow, but I'm also excited about Frankie Hickson. I think Frankie Hickson is going to fit really well into what uh, offense coordinator Kelly Jeffrey wants to do. I'm excited to see both of those guys. I am too, man. Yeah, it's a, it's 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 an exciting it's an exciting year for the Riders, and I I you really have to give um the, like you said Jeremy O'Day and and Dickinson credit because like they they saw the weaknesses that the Riders had last year. They saw that offensive line was not was not very consistent and stable. They went out and got Godber. They went out and got Blake, and now they just got Kelly. Right? They've been getting these guys. They've been working them, and it seems like the offensive line could be one of the strengths for the Riders this season. So. Yeah. Uh, We'll see how that goes. I'm 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 really quite excited for it though. And then uh, my last my last kind of question based just around the riders more. Um, who? Uh, see, there's, there's always these are always interesting one to phrase. <laughs> uh, what position do you think will be the anchor for the riders this offseason? I know you mentioned the secondary as a as a good group for the riders, but what do you think will really be the anchor for the riders this year? Something that they can really just hang their hats on for the whole season. Hey, man, sorry about that. Nope, you're good. I think, that, I think that was my question. All right, what were you saying? I was just saying, uh, who, what, what, what group or position do you think will really be the anchor for the Riders this season, one that they can really hold their hat on? I know you mentioned the secondary, but... Yeah, I, you know, again, I think that I think that the with the improvement along the old line, I think there's, there's a real chance to uh, to anchor the team there, and and I think that it's going to be made even more so. Um, because I think it's going to build a lot of confidence into the fan base uh, once Trevor Harris starts being successful. I think Trevor Harris is going to have a great year uh, in this offense too. And, and yeah, I think that uh, with the improvement is going to come a lot of sort of confidence and, and more importantly, just, you know, uh, a solidified group that, uh, that this team can lean on. Right. Um, the secondary again is going to be great, but def defensive backs are a different breed of character. You know what I mean? They're the flamboyant outgoing, uh, but like when, when you want someone, to, to, to follow in terms of just sort of running through a wall. It's always going to be the O-line or D-line. So I think the O-line this year for sure. I love that answer. No, for sure. Um, and actually, I will get I will get your predictions um, for the Rough Riders awards this season. Who do you think will be the Rough Rider MOP, the Defensive Player of the Year, and the Special Team Player of the Year? Wow. Special Teams Player of the Year. I think it's going to be Alford. I really do think Trevor Harris is on the verge of having a great year for the Riders this year. And um, I think that uh, most outstanding defensive player, if he, if he can stay healthy, I think it's going to be Pete Robertson. Yes, yeah, sir. I, 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 love, I love all those answers. That's perfect. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, I just want to, I want to get a, uh, some of your opinions on some other teams around, around the league. Um, but who, who have just been some of your favorite players to watch across the league? I know you have to stay loyal to Saskatchewan, but we also can't yeah. ignore the fact that there are a lot of talented players all over the yeah. country. So who are so who are a couple of your favorite exciting players that you love to watch? Really like watching Kadeem Carey out of Calgary. I think he's mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, I, uh, I liked, um, you know, I, I really like watching uh, Ja'Garrett Davis. You know, he's, he's so, and, and, and I'm hoping he has really a, a great year this year. Um, let's see, who else? Yeah, uh, you know what? I obviously, uh, I'm a, I, I, you know, I watched Zach Caleros play. I look to when I want to just sort of really learn more about the quarterback position. Um, so uh, him, I think as far as, whew, let's see, let's see anybody else. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Mikey Moore um, out of. Uh, Calgary. I think he's great. And um, guys, um, for some reason, man, I like Taylor Cornelius's game. I don't know why, because no. he hasn't really been uh, he hasn't really been the greatest. But uh, I don't mind Taylor Cornelius. I, 
Um, you know, I'm a guy that wants all these players to succeed too, right? So it's it's hard to sort of, you know, like it's it's actually really difficult when you criticize, you know, certain players and stuff like that, because at the end of the day, you know, it sounds like it, it is what it is. It's criticism, but, you know, you, you at the end of the day, you want the, everybody to succeed, succeed, knowing how small the window to be a professional athlete is. So, yeah, those are those are some of the guys that uh, that I enjoy watching. And again, yeah, I, you spend so much time with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, right? You, you kind of know coming in like who the guys are on the other team that yeah. that are going to provide a spark. Uh, the other guy, uh, even though he's on the uh, six game injured list, uh, I love watching is Sean Thomas Erlington out of. Uh, out of um, um, Hamilton, and he's one of the, the most underrated players, Canadian players especially, in, in the league, I think. So hopefully he uh, he gets healthy soon. Dylan Wynn's always good to watch. So, yeah, yeah, I'm a fan of the game. So, you know, it's, it's fun following other teams and other guys, you know? No, absolutely. Um, what, do you, what, do you, are the, what kind of breakout players do you think they're going to be in 2023? Obviously, we've seen a lot of breakout seasons. They're one, they're one of the best parts of football. A guy comes out of nowhere, has a thousand yard season, but you have yeah. any kind of predictions or anything about who that might be either on the riders or off? <laughs> you know, as far as, uh, as breakouts, I'm not sure if this is a breakout, but I think that in order for Calgary to succeed this year, Kadeem Carey is going to have a, have to have a monster season. Yeah. Um, go back to the, uh, I'll go back to the breakout question. Uh, yeah. I think that it, Again, I think that uh, in order for Calgary to be successful this year, Kadeem Carey's got to have a monster year. And I really believe that he, he is capable of doing that. I, I just think that, you know, historically, even when I was playing Calgary, if if um, they were they had such great players, but they, you know, if any one of those great players had an off day, they were still able to, to dominate, um, you know, and, and win. So um, for me, you know, I think that this year has changed a little bit. And I do think... Kadeem Carey is going to have to be their bell cow. So there's where I see the breakout season happening because I think that if it doesn't happen for Kadeem Carey, I don't think Calgary gets very far. Ooh, that's an interesting. I, I like that actually. I like that a lot because yeah. who's 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 the quarterback in uh, Calgary? It's Mayor now, hey. Yeah, it's Mayor. Yeah. And like as as, as talented as he is, you know, he's no bully by Mitchell, right? You know, he's a bit. No. No, they've, they've always had an embarrassment of riches at the quarterback position, you know, and especially the running back position. And, well, well, you know, John, John, as long as John Huffnagel is there, you know, they're always going to have uh, some talented players and stuff. And that's the thing, you know, Huff has been such a, uh, a godsend for them um, since he's been in the organization. But they've always had just, you know, fantastic, especially running backs. Joffrey Reynolds, you know, John Cornish, uh, Mess when he was there. Um, you know, now Kadeem Carey, I think that, uh, yeah, but this year I do think there's going to be a lot more for, for Kadeem Carey to do in order for them to be successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So as a former defensive lineman yourself, I want to ask you this question. Um, could you name, so let's, uh, we'll give you four, we'll give you two edges and two tackles. Could you name your most unstoppable defensive line with current CFL players right now? Oh, um, Anthony Lanier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Jaguar Davis when when he's when he's up to it, uh, I think he's uh he's a game changer. Mm -hmm. Um in terms of tackles, uh yeah, until someone until someone until someone proves otherwise, it, it's always gonna be the guys in Winnipeg, Hardrick and uh and Stanley Bryant. Uh, you know, they those guys are I mean, they've been so good for so long. Um, specifically Stanley Bryant. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the greatest players uh, to put on a CFL uniform, you know? So, um, but they, uh, those, those are probably the, where I see those guys. Yeah, no kidding. Those, they have been a thorn in the side of, of every Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan for so long. And you can't hate them that much because those, those, those guys can play like holy. And they've yeah. been doing it yeah. for so long and they've been doing it at such yeah. a high level for so long. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. It gets exhausting playing games. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then as you know, you're you're as a guy in the in the media sector for the CFL. I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on this, but what do you think the CFL can do to really grow this game and especially get the younger generation involved into the CFL? Because yeah. it's such a, like it's such a fantastic game and league, and like if you're in it, you get it. Like you get what why everyone mm -hmm. loves it. But when you're on the outskirts, it's not always that apparent. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, you know, what we're starting to see is, is 
you know, <laughs> engagement's funny, right? And bringing in new fans is 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 a is a is a tough conversation to have because it's not really on the CFL. Um, as a whole right like they've got to they've got to do a great job with you know developing their partnerships you know developing engagement ideas for the league as a whole but you also want the teams to 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 take large massive steps in in engaging their fan bases right because it's it's always going to be a butts in seats sort of uh, business model and uh with that i think that the cfl is making great strides and the reason why is because, you know, you're seeing great energy from the new owner in Montreal. Um, you're seeing really great energy from Amaro Doman in BC. Um, I think the riders here are are on the verge of, of not necessarily pivoting, but I think approaching a strategy in, in terms of getting some of the fans back that they, they, they've missed. I'm not any, you know, obviously winning has a lot to do with it here in Saskatchewan, but also, you know, the economic environment hasn't been great, right? But I think that the riders are starting, you know, for an example – you know, right-sizing the stadium prices, right? Um, right? They're doing well. I think Victor Quee's a president in Edmonton who's, you know, I mean, he, guaranteed Woodnight is just a fantastic concept. Uh, you know, um, if, if you just, you know, you're able to come back until the game, the, they win a home game, right? Like, and that's that's getting money into the gate through hot dogs and sodas and stuff like that, right? So I think that that's the the the, the good step the Canadian Football League is taking is it, it's hiring or it's, it's letting the right guys take control of, of the teams, right? Um, you'd love to see a little bit more engagement out of MLSE, but again, MLSE is uh, an organization that has a ton of athletic teams in general, right? So it's, it's hard for them to, to pivot focus, especially when the folk, you know, to, especially on the, on the team that's probably making the least amount of revenue out of all their other teams. Right. So I think that that's, I think that that's where the, the steps are being made. And, and, and obviously uh, Winnipeg and the job Wade, Wade Miller's doing, um, you know, over there, that that's, that's been nothing but great for the league too. So that's where I would say it is. I think the CFL just needs to continue making sure that the teams have great foundations and engaged, you know, partners. For sure. For sure. I, I, lo I love all that. I'm, I'm still waiting for the CFL video game. I can't wait for that to inevitably come out. I'm not sure when that'll be, but I think, yeah. I think, I think that'll be great for the younger generation too, just to have, yeah. a, have a video game. Right. Cause I think that's, that that's going to be the way of uh, advertising. Like that's, that's the way. The yeah, world totally. Works. Totally. Well, I want to thank you so much for, for being on here, Luke. I know it's uh, only a few days before the season starts, so I'm sure you're busy, but I appreciate you hopping on. And uh, yeah, good luck, good luck this season, and uh, I'm excited to to hear your voice. Yeah, no problem, man. Anytime, reach out for sure. Love and to and uh, tell Michael Ball we say hi as well. All right, we'll do. Awesome. All right, you have a good one, man. All right, man. Cheers. Cheers. Peace. Like a bongo, I'm a to a leg, I'm a to a tonsil.